0: Welcome everybody. I'm so excited to have with me, Shannon Renard Demko. And she has so many titles that I'm going to let her go over them, but she is a coach an instructor, a small business owner and such an inspiration to me and so many others. I don't know how she does it all. So Shannon, welcome.
1: Thank you, Lauren. That was a really nice introduction. The feeling is mutual. And yeah, I do, I do a lot of things, um, but the thing is that they're, they're all things that I love and they're all things that live really well together, right? And I think that's, whenever I hear that, like, wow, I don't know how you, you do it, how you look in so many different directions all day long, I don't feel like I am. I'm doing things that all are aligned with my passions and, and with each other too. And they also kind of built one on, one on <laughs> top of another over time. You know, I didn't just like sit down one day and and decide to do all of these and in a weekend, like grew it all. I started out in higher education where I still work. I'm uh, an MBA admissions coach and I manage a program for a national nonprofit called MLT or Management Leadership for Tomorrow. I'm a yoga instructor here in the Atlanta area and online. And that has grown over the past year, right? But in 2015, really kind of in 2013, I started Mindful MBA as an integration of my work in MBA admissions with MBA students and my personal passion for mindfulness and kind of got that going and learned how to juggle those two things. And then when 2020 hit and COVID brought us all inside and, and brought yoga and meditation fully online, I founded Tashi Collective, which is an online platform for meditation sessions and yoga and just community around those things. So they they grew over time. So it wasn't like having triplets, you know, they were right.
0: You didn't launch everything all together, but yeah. yeah. So that that's maybe a good place to start is how as a spiritual entrepreneur, have you been able to tap into when it's the right time to To reach, to expand, to start something new. What what does that physically feel like? What does that mentally and spiritually feel like for you?
1: Mm, Yeah, that's such a good question. And you know from doing my human design um, chart with me, Lauren, I'm a generator. And so I can come up with an idea (laughs) (laughs) that I can do. But as I have matured, I think I have been more comfortable following my intuition into action. I think all of my career transitions, even going from being someone who worked on a higher ed campus to someone who worked in higher ed coaching was just a a feeling that started to emerge in me of, you know, something needs to shift, not because things are wrong and I need to escape where I am, but like, ooh, it's time. And I feel like that's a sense that we all have within us as humans. You know, you're a parent, I'm a parent. We've watched our kids grow into middle childhood, I guess now is where they are. Right. But I remember watching my daughter when she started to learn how to crawl, you know, she's eight now she's in third grade with your son and watching her just start to kind of lean forward, you know, lean forward, lean forward. Like something in her was just like, Oh, it's time for me to start learning this new thing. And I think that same, it's an amazing thing to witness because nobody told her you should be crawling now. Like they just start to do that. And then eventually they walk and then eventually they talk and they do all the things just because it's time for them and different kids do it at different ages, right? Because it's time for them when it's time for them. And we still have that sense within us of it's time. And for me, I've known it's time when I start getting that sense, but also like ideas of what the the next thing, whether it's a total change for me or just an addition, there's a thing for me, sometimes like I've, I've learned through my spiritual practice to actually answer your question, how to sit and listen to mm. that um, and to know the difference between something shifting, something's growing, something's starting to take shape and it's time to act. I also know when it's past the time to act, <laughs> right? Where. <laughs> When i've been planning and mapping and let me just get a little more perfect before i yeah move forward i've i've gotten used to the idea that it's not going to be perfect and i just kind of start and so that that has helped but the the spiritual element of it is dialing in listening to intuition recognizing the signs within myself that it's time to make some kind of transition or to create something And for me, both of these ideas, Mindful MBA took longer to actually hatch. I think Tashi Collective took less time because I learned so much with Mindful MBA, just of like the nuts and bolts and also about like myself in terms of like- Well, it sounds
0: like you built that trust muscle and okay, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. And then you did it and you took the inspired action and, and sort of birthed that into existence. And then it sounds like it does feel a little bit easier or it's quicker to come in maybe with yeah. with the future ideas?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And the Tashi Collective idea actually came to me in a meditation, like wholesale, like in a box with a bow on it. Here's the logo, here's what it's called, here's what it is. I just got out a piece of paper and started mapping. I didn't have any interest in doing anything like that at the time. I also didn't know that COVID was gonna bring yoga onto Zoom for a year. I thought we were in like a two week or one right. month, you know what I mean? Um, I didn't have any interest in it, but I, again, that feeling of just like, we're not asking, (laughs) like, it's time to go um, and build this. And whether that's for my own personal growth, like not everything that we create as spiritual entrepreneurs is going to transform, you know, life globally. Sometimes we build things that, that really connect with 10 or 15 people in a powerful way. And there's your work. You did it. I think Another thing we need to do as spiritual entrepreneurs is disconnect from the outcome. So I've also, I've learned that as well of just like, yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, you're gonna wish you did things differently. Yes, you're gonna look back in five years at the things you're writing now or recording now or whatever and be like, oh my gosh, I was a baby. Um, you know. But great, like it's all journey. It's all part of it. You're, you're never actually messing up. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. And sometimes you just have to go and that trust muscle, as you said, like not just trusting in yourself, but trusting if you have a spiritual practice, that those powers are supporting you in doing this as well and putting you where you need to be, when you need to be there with the resources that you need. So it's a combination of things. I think the second time, the whole thing just sort of landed for me, but I already knew how to build a website. I knew how to like grab a bunch of social media handles or whatever and what to do with them once I did. But I had plenty of other things to learn. I didn't know a thing about setting up like an online checkout process, for example. I was like, okay, here's one more thing I'm gonna teach myself over the course of a week that some like college sophomore computer science major could do for me in 15 minutes, but (laughs) it's all part of the birthing process, you know? Yeah. (laughs)
0: I love so, so much about what you said. I was like, like scribbling down notes because I'm like, this is all so good. I love that you, you know, have learned to sit and listen. It spoke to me so much when you said that, you know, not focusing on the outcome, not focusing on that piece that we don't know where it's going to land or what the next step is going to be. And I think that that's such a beautiful piece that oftentimes we are focused on what the output is, what the, what the giving piece of it is. But the truth is that in all of our creations, no matter if they ever even see the light of day, we are learning, we are growing, we are really developing our skills and our practice and that trust muscle. So I think that's such a beautiful message for everybody listening, that whatever comes out of your idea, something is going to be learned along the process something is going to be beneficial to you, even if it's not something that you ever end up sharing with the world. And hopefully you do. And hopefully you have things that you really feel you're able to do that with. But I, I really love that piece of what you said.
1: Yeah. It doesn't matter how far it goes. And like, we don't always even get to know, especially in this day and age of social media and digital media, you know, you might look on your Instagram and be like, oh, here's my 10 friends that always comment on my posts and they're so supportive, but you don't know who's actually seeing it and benefiting and being touched, you know, by what they're reading. That's a beautiful thing that if you're really into like the details can be frustrating. Well, if someone in across the world is reading my post and it's making their day and they don't like it or comment or save it or whatever, I'm frustrated but instead you could just be grateful. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful that I was able to touch somebody without even really knowing about it?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think we definitely don't have a complete picture because of social media and just the way that we're connected. I don't think we have a, a complete picture of the ripple that each of our things is creating. So that's a good question. When you are creating something, how much of it is based on what you need the medicine that you feel is for you versus what you think other people need.
1: That is such a good question. So a lot of what I do is about is about writing. Mindful MBA started as a blog, um, and both Mindful MBA and Tasha Collective, and even my personal, you know, social media, I do a lot of I pay a lot of attention to captions and things like that because I love writing because writing is a form of expression for me, and so.
0: And you're so, so good at it. I
1: love all of your
0: posts. I'm always like, she nails this every time. I think you have just such an incredible way of capturing a moment, a message, a feeling. It's really beautiful.
1: Thank you. I'm so touched. I need to get better about the typos, but eventually I catch them. But um, (laughs) I I am an editor. I'm a great editor for other people, just not for myself. But I think I always start with what's coming through me. And I guess I don't really think of it as being there being a difference between what is for me and what is for others. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, is this going to be a popular opinion? Is this like a big earth shattering thing to write about or talk about? I just talk about the experiences that I'm having, the observations that I'm making about myself and and the people around me in my daily life. And often I like amplify those to be about more than just that one experience I had, you know, wherever I was, but it's coming from what's actually happening in my life, what I'm interacting with, what I'm processing. I don't think about like, oh, I really need to write something about this topic right now, um, unless it's actually like on my heart or in my recent experience. I would say the only really intentional thing I do is visual. I'm not trying to bash the Instagram game because I, I do, think like if you're going to be on it, you play it right. Don't bother if you're not interested in like caring. Um, And so I think about visually, like aesthetically, what the posts look like on my page, like in terms of like color palette and not, you know, alternating between pictures and word posts and things like that. Right. I I think about that, but like messages, whatever comes out is what comes out.
0: Wow. So you don't really follow or create a content calendar Wow. Oh my gosh. Now I'm even more impressed because it feels like every time I see one of your posts, I'm like, Oh my goodness. First of all, you post very consistently, which for people listening that are like, I don't know what to say. And I don't have the content. There's so many different strategies, but even posting a little something every few days just gets that muscle going and gets that, that practice in place.
1: I don't have a calendar at all. It's all spontaneous. I wrote, you know, yesterday about a podcast that I finished yesterday morning. And I was just mm. like, huh. And I actually just went on, was looking through pictures and was like, that's a good picture. Oh, that reminds me of the flowers that they talked about in the podcast this morning. And then I went from there um, and I just write. I mean, that's, it's one thing, like we all get things I get, like when I write, it moves through me. I can write a blog post in 20 minutes. Like it just mm. like, it comes through usually like most of the time, but there are plenty of other things that I can't do. Like I said, I'm trying to figure out how to set up an online checkout. It takes me the month of April instead of 15 minutes, right? <laughs> like I can't, We're, we all have different things. I just think that, you know, as spiritual practitioners, which we are, both of us, that we've intentionally sort of opened ourselves as mediums in a sense, like not in that traditional, you know, your deceased loved ones are talking through me or whatever. I, I don't think I've had the that happened um I don't know but I'm just saying like what what is there now what's coming through me now okay sometimes I'll start writing and I'll be like well, this is actually about gratitude this isn't about what I thought it was it's about mm. something else and I just then I just go in that direction sometimes I'll have an idea and I'll be like oh next time I write a post for whatever I'm gonna write it about this and I'll just have like a topic in mind other times I'll just sit down to a screen and be like I hope something happened <laughs>
0: Well, but it sounds like you really have created a vessel in yourself for that, that wisdom to come through. So are there certain practices that you have that you think help you be a clear vessel in terms of your daily practice? What about grounding or food or movement? I'd love to hear about some of those things and how you think that clears your vessel.
1: That's interesting. I think I, and a really good question. I think that I would answer that question differently at different parts along my journey about what I do to keep myself feeling centered and aligned. I, I do have a daily practice of some kind always. What that looks like now is different than what it looked like a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. I try to have a daily movement practice. I move my body every day. I try to have at least some of that be yoga of some kind. It just does something for my body energetically. This year, I'm, I'm working with A Course in Miracles, like in a disciplined way. I haven't done that in a disciplined way in the past. i poked around in it and now I'm doing mm-hmm. it. And that's grounding me in really, really interesting ways. But I, I just always try to come into center, right? All the things that I've done, whether it's like 10 minutes daily seated meditation or reading A Course in Miracles or doing a yoga practice or Whatever one year I read Melody Beatty's Journey to the Heart, um, which is sort of almost like a devotional. Like there's a reading for every day on the calendar, and that was a spiritual Mm -hmm. practice. It's an amazing, it's amazing book. Her work around codependency is awesome. But I try to have there be something that's going to bring me back to that place of connection, you know. And and I think that that that's just good for us as humans. Let alone if we think of ourselves as vessels or what have you. But what really started doing it for me was when. I just decided to step back. Like for me, writing, which is, I would say more than writing, it's using words. Whether I'm talking like in a yoga class, giving a little dharma talk or something like that, or I'm writing, it's stepping back. And you can't turn off your brain when you're doing something like that, but you turn off the judgment filter and just like, like let it go. Write, 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 talk, talk, talk. And then you're, you're sort of not responsible for what comes out, even though I am right, I'm still Shannon, I'm still the person who wrote it or said it, you just sort of let it come out and there's so much freedom in that, that even if I, I have found in me, even if I'm resisting it on a certain day, if I just show up for it and say yes. My thinking mind, as we say in mindfulness, can be like blah, 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 blah. You're never gonna write this. You only have 20 minutes, da da da, da 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 and it will just come out anyway. If I give it like the slightest leeway of permission, it will come out anyway, despite all the protestations of the rest of my brain, um, which also works for me in mindfulness sometimes, like in meditation. If you just show up for it, that is often enough.
0: That's so powerful because I think so many times people beginning or at various points of their past, when they feel resistance, you know, it feels like something big needs to shift. They need to take a new course, take a new class, totally change everything they're doing. But what I hear you saying is in the small micro habit of showing up every day you believe it to be true. And it is.
1: Yeah, it is. Like it's, again, this is spiritual practice, spiritual belief system, but it's bigger than you. Right. It's not about you. It's not yours. And this is, this happens every, like we all do this every day. You know, if you're at the grocery store and you see somebody struggling and it occurs to you to stop and ask them if they need help, Like, to me, it's almost the same thing. Like you're up in your head, you're doing your stuff, you're planning your list, you're thinking about what you're doing next and you see somebody and you keep walking and then you're like, wait a minute, I'm gonna ask if they need help, right? Like that came through you. Mm -hmm. Like all you were deep in the middle of your list, deep in the middle of your planning of whatever you were doing and something stopped you and was like, hold on, let's ask if they need help. And maybe they don't, maybe they say no thanks, but just the fact that you asked did something for them. We are all always channels for something bigger than ourselves. And so that's all it is, is just stepping back energetically a little bit and like leaving that space for like, okay, um, if that's here anyway, and there's something I can do to help move it through, then let me do that. And it also benefits me. Like I say all the time, if you're reading something I wrote, I'm talking to myself too. (laughs) I'm never like, people how to live and be like me because I'm doing the same stuff. Everybody is, you know, making mistakes, having hard things happen and being an idiot. Like I'm doing all that stuff too, but I'm just trying to do it through a different lens. So
0: what do you think has helped you along your path to find this level of authenticity, transparency? Do you feel that You've had a good support system? Do you feel like you've called in community? Because I think a lot of people, you know, even if they feel exactly like you do, maybe don't have the ability or they haven't learned to trust themselves enough, or maybe the noise is just too loud around them. And you, you know, it's, it's easy to get swayed off that path of I'm doing this. This feels good to me. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. I'm going to focus on myself and look for that, that meaning, that connection, that something bigger.
1: I think community can be really important, especially if you're someone who is starting to become interested in spiritual practices, contemplative thought, if you feel some sort of connection to something that you'd like to share and you're in a space where there aren't a lot of people having these conversations like you and I are having right now, um, there aren't a lot of people reading books or listening, learning from teachers, you know, who could say, oh, yeah, yeah, come over here and join me for this. Like the minute you get that, space you give yourself permission to just be who you are in that space and follow that intuition that says hey this just feels really right let's read another book by this person. Cause I liked that first book or let's listen to another podcast or let, let me learn more about astrology or crystals or human design or meditation or channeling or whatever it is, right? Like this is cool. And I want to learn more. If you're in an environment where there's judgment around that or where you're made to feel like that's something other than normal, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to suppress it and not give yourself permission to follow that. And that's going to end up feeling really bad internally, right? But the minute you get into a space where not only are there other people interested in that, but you feel at home amongst them, right? So just because you and I have, we have common interest in in topics doesn't mean that every single other person in the world who's interested in meditation or human design is going to immediately sync up and make us feel at home, right? So you need to find the community that gives you permission to explore, that can help connect you to resources to learn, but never one that says, here's what's true, believe it. Right. Here's what's right and here's what's wrong. But the community that says like, oh, that's interesting, let's talk about it, you know, and where there's just room for you to grow and eventually find your home where you can not only grow personally, but also maybe begin to share. Because each of us has our own little like niche that we're in, whether we realize it or not, you can get really caught up in looking at like all the other meditation teachers or all the other human design coaches or yoga teachers or whatever, and be like, oh, there's so much more blah, blah, blah than me. They're doing better than I am at this. Um, But they're not, they're doing their version of this. You need to do your version of it, whether it's for your own personal edification and and growth or for you to be able to share. But community is really huge. Also know, though, that community will change. You know, the community, the yoga community that I felt most at home with 15 years ago doesn't even exist anymore. It's in a city I no longer live in. I still have a couple of really great friends from that experience, but that's not my spiritual home anymore because it literally doesn't exist, right? But I have found other places along the way that I stepped into and thought, this feels really good right now. And then eventually maybe it won't anymore and you'll migrate onward. And I think the lesson of that is that home is is internal, you know, and, and the sense of community, the sense of belonging, the sense of wholeness, whatever it is that we need to feel validated in pursuit of what our soul is telling us to pursue is actually within. And it's whenever we find a space where we feel that belonging reflected back to us, we're actually just giving it to ourselves. It's like, it's already in there, but it can be a super supportive and an important part of the journey for someone who's just starting out.
0: Oh, I agree. And that's that's so beautifully said. And I think, again, sometimes it's a search for validation or approval or a guru. You just want to feel seen, you want to feel heard, you want to feel normal, you want to feel like, is, is this happening to anybody else? Because maybe I'm losing my mind. But I think you're absolutely right in the fact that the community is a beautiful compliment. But without cultivating that feeling in yourself, there's always going to be a searching, there's always going to be looking around externally And that doesn't mean that that's a bad thing to be questioning and to be evaluating, is this the right place for me? Does this feel good to me? But I think the message of, in order for all of that to work and all of that to make sense, the home feeling has to be with inside you.
1: It does. And I feel like it is very tempting. I'm, I'm a nerd and I love to read. I love to learn. I love to take courses and get certified and things. I just, I love doing it which is great. Like be a lifelong student. But I remember a few years ago reading, it was an Instagram post from, I want to say it was Danielle LaPorte, but I'm not really sure. But she said that she was wearing off input for like whatever period of time, a few months or something, because she was on input overload because she just kept looking outside herself, you know, getting readings from people, attending workshops, reading books and listening to podcasts, looking for that sense of like, Satisfaction, like looking for a fix, like a spiritual fix of feeling at home. And that when you catch yourself doing that, you need to come back in, like plug back into your charging station and come back to yourself because all of that stuff is great. But if you're waiting for it to transform you, then you're looking in the wrong direction.
0: Mm, So, so good. How did you, as a practitioner, as someone that deeply valued all of these spiritual practices and things that you were learning. How did you feel it was the right time to then turn into the teacher? turn into the business? What, what was that journey like? Because I imagine there's a lot of people listening that love yoga and are considering the teacher training or have a channeling practice or astrology or some you know other thing that they really love and they're considering, do I take this from a hobby to more of a business opportunity?
1: That is such a good question. And I don't even think I've, I've told you this. Maybe I did, Lauren. I first did yoga teacher training in 2009 and it was at the studio that was my spiritual home at the time that I was just referring to that doesn't Mm -hmm. exist anymore. And I got part of the way through it and was just like, no. And I loved yoga. Like I'm a daily practitioner. Even then, like could have lived in the lobby of that studio, happily surrounded by beaded pillows and tea, you know, mini teacups or whatever. Like I just loved it. And I got out there and realized that I had had so much confidence in my readiness to be a teacher that I just dove into teacher training because I loved yoga. And I thought like, I give presentations for work. I'm not worried about talking to people or being in the front of the room or anything. And it just, I just knew it wasn't time. And the reason was I was, I still wanted to be mainly a student, like primarily a student. And at the time that just felt right to me. And so I didn't finish it. And it wasn't until whatever it was, 2015, something like that. I did my certification in mindfulness meditation because I was waiting to get my haircut sitting in like the waiting area and was scanning my emails and I got an email about the training and saw it and was like, yes, like intuition, gut, whatever said, yes. Like before how many emails do you get that are like sign up for my training or whatever. And this one, I was like, Oh, here it is. As if it was like an old friend that showed up. And then at that point I was, I had already begun coaching. And so I was like, I'll be able to use this in my coaching. And it was engaging in that training that, then made me realize, oh, I'm a teacher now. Now it's the time. And so from there, I moved back into yoga teacher training and it was time, right? And I knew going into both of those trainings that I want to teach these things when I'm finished. The other thing though, is that both of these trainings were transformative personal growth experiences and there are plenty of people who did both of them and who do these kinds of trainings who are not interested in teaching and just want the experience of deep self-study svadhyaya and intensive practice and in a yoga teacher training engaging with all the eight limbs of yoga only one of which is asana or physical movement there's so much there that you can deepen your experience as a meditator or as a yoga student now there are always the students on day one that are like, hi, I'm Shannon. I don't want to be a teacher. I'm just here to deepen my experience. And like three months into it, they're like, let's go. I want all the classes. I want to teach at all the (laughs) studios. Right. So, you know, just allowing yourself to, to change and to change your mind. But I just, I knew it was time, you know, just like my daughter kind of leaning forward. Like it's, You lean into it a little bit and you just know as you start going, it's time for this. And so I was able to make the most of the training as well. I wasn't just checking a box either. Like, let me get this paper so I can make some more money because (laughs) we're not in this for the money.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Well, and I think that there is a little bit of this certification culture that we're Mm -hmm. in, especially in the spiritual world where it just seems like you said, if I just get one more certification or I take one more class, or I have one more thing that I can offer. And again, I absolutely love that too. And I feel like it's so much fun to constantly be learning and growing. And, and, and to me, one of the most exciting thing is how all these different things intersect. Like I love using human design with intuition and mixing it with the channeling, and let me put in some compassion training. And you know, you create uh-huh. your own thing, which I think is so beautiful and so fun. But it's a good place just for people listening to sort of like check themselves and where is that need coming from? Where's the desire? is it pressure from other people or does it feel like you said, I'm ready for this now because I want to learn because I want to take it in. I feel like I'm ready because I imagine if you're able to sort of do that rewind and if you would have done it at that point, you know, who knows where you would be now on the journey.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, a couple of thoughts there. One is that, you're absolutely right. We, we do live in a certification culture and there are plenty of people who go through certification programs and don't fully engage and come out. Not really much different than they went in, but now they have a certificate. And I did, I, I did two certifications last year, both, you know, virtually, and they were both different. So at the beginning of last year, I did a yoga nidra training for yoga teachers, which is so cool. And I love yoga nidra and sound baths and all of that as a student. I enjoyed the learning process. I haven't all of a sudden decided to be teaching yoga Nidra all over the place because I didn't feel that when I was finished with it. I didn't go into it for that, like deep love of yoga Nidra and interest in teaching it. I did it. It was cool. I've got some more information now that I can parlay into my meditations, even if they're not yoga Nidras, and that's fine. I did a second training later in the year last year um, to become certified to teach yoga for 12 step recovery to work with individuals who are in recovery and co-addicts who have been, you know, part of that experience. And that connects to my own personal experience. I feel a deep affinity for people who are in recovery, even though I'm not personally myself in recovery, family connections to and personal experiences on the other side of it on the co-addict side, but I loved it. And starting next month, I'm going to be teaching a class on Tuesday nights in Atlanta for those who are in recovery and those who just want to be in the, in the space because I want to, like, it's, it's different, right? Two trainings in the same year with very different outcomes because my input and my intention into them was different.
0: Wow. I love that idea. It's so synchronous that you said that because I don't know if it was last night or this morning, this idea of sober coach and talking more about sobriety popped into my head. We're recording this in March And so I am now one year plus three and a half months into not having had a drink. So, and a lot of people, whenever I post on it, people DM me, they like text. I get a lot of not public, but more private messages about like, tell me about your experience. And it's so funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking, I wonder if this is something that I should share more about and and how I came to this decision. And not that I think I'll never have a drink again, but it doesn't speak to me at all. I feel no connection with wanting to do that. So that's so cool that you are connecting to that now.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think it's a really interesting space, probably a whole separate conversation. There's a lot of really cool work going on in the space. If you read Ruby Warrington from the Numinous, she has what she calls the sober curious movement, yeah. which is really cool. I'm somebody like, I do have an occasional drink on the weekends and things like that occasionally. But what I love about being involved in this conversation is as I was setting this class up with the studio owner um, who I'm going to be teaching, we were talking about this, like how, how can you be a person who isn't necessarily sober or in recovery and be comfortable and supportive of those who are like, this isn't a stigma. And another individual who was there with us was saying like, he is in recovery and How many times he sees posts from his friends, like hanging out and they're just like, oh, we didn't, we didn't want to be rude. So we didn't invite you because we were going to drink. And he's like, so you were rude and didn't invite me. Like, I love club soda. Can I come hang out? Like really? Um, and so just creating, um, spaces where people who are in recovery and are choosing sobriety can feel just comfortable and where everyone can just engage together in ways that don't involve necessarily you know, lean on substances as just like an undercurrent of the interaction, you know, without them.
0: I think it's so critical, especially after this past year of being at home and stressed out, like, how did I know intuitively that the year 2020 was gonna be the year that I was not gonna have a drink, a drip of anything? where I saw so many friends and other people just going from not drinking too much to drinking on the daily and really starting to question their intake. And they're, like you said, leaning on it just as, you know, something that they're dependent on. And I know everybody has a different definition of dependency or, or alcoholism. So I don't want to dive too much into that. But I I do believe that it's something that if you're thinking about it, then it's something you need to be digging into.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it can be, I think it actually aligns really well with this idea of just like following intuition and leaning into things. Um, It's really important to operate in this space without judgment and to honor the choices that people are making for themselves, like to truly honor them, not be like, oh, it's fine. You do you. But no, really, like I honor your ability to choose for yourself in this moment, to change your mind tomorrow, to change it back the next day, and just to be on your journey. I want to be present and supportive of you in that journey whether it's, you know, I I want to consume differently, let's say, and that can be around substances. It can be around food. It can be around products. It can be around media and what you consume in that way, right? Like, you know, if spiritually or physically or both you're out of alignment, it's always smart to look at what you're consuming in every way and just see if there are any changes that need to be made there for now right? You don't have to then go get a tattoo on your forehead that says sober forever or social media abstinent forever or whatever, like just do what feels good today. Honor your ability to make that choice so that you can then offer that same to others and just celebrate them in in doing it.
0: It all starts with the mindfulness. Like you said, it all starts with, for me, being able to connect to that and know when I'm just going along with society, when I've gotten wrapped up into a cultural phenomenon, when my, my hooks are into something that has no impact on me, no effect on me, I'm letting myself get completely emotionally swayed back and forth by this topic, by this subject, by something at school or politics or whatever. And it's, that really does not serve me. That really has no bearing on my life and only makes me completely waste all productive energy. <laughs> so I love just the practice of mindfulness just as a daily check-in. Where am I spending my energy? Where am I consuming without any thoughtfulness? Where am I you know, eating, drinking, like you said, social media? Whatever it is, is 100% fine when you can do it from a place of at least connecting to it? Like, am I aware of it?
1: <laughs> with intention. You know, that my favorite definition of mindfulness that I use in all of my sessions is from John Kabat-Zinn. And he, he says, mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment and non-judgmentally. Yeah. The four pieces of it, right? It's present moment, what's happening right now, I'm here intentionally on purpose i'm not intentionally planning or intentionally thinking about a conversation yesterday because you can do those things i'm intentionally here in this present moment paying attention to what is going on within me and when that thing is discomfort i'm feeling uncomfortable we have so many options to numb that feeling and Mm -hmm. to never investigate it like we don't have to feel uncomfortable right like if you're cold you grab a blanket great If you're feeling anxious, you open a new window on your computer and look at something watch cat videos, go shopping, watch whatever, right? You can do something. You can go to the kitchen and get a snack. Like you don't have to investigate that. Mindfulness is about learning how to first just be with it, right? Just be with it. And then potentially over time, become someone who can investigate it. And as you do that, it's like anything, like it just begins to dissolve in your hands. Like, what is this made out of? Nothing, it's made out of imagination. It's made out of neurochemicals. It's not about anything that's actually happening right now. Um, that is ultimate present moment awareness that you can begin to just, I won't say take with you every moment of every day, cause you won't, you know, you won't, you're gonna be human. That's what you came here for is to be mm-hmm. human but it becomes a muscle that wakes up, right? When you find out that, wait, I'm, I'm 10 minutes into a conversation that's full of stuff that I don't even wanna be talking about right now. Whew, like the minute you realize that's the practice. Yeah. Wait a minute, where am I right now? And do I wanna be here? How is this making me feel? And then from there you can change, right? You also have to release the judgment of how did I just spend 10 minutes talking about this? So what you did, it's in the past. What do you do right now with this present moment? That starts to happen only when you're someone who practices, when you practice on a regular basis, when you give that muscle some reps (laughs) so it can show up for you when you need it. And that's how all these decisions get made about like, Hey, my intuition is saying I need to move in a different direction professionally or relationship wise, or in the ways that I consume. This is all about dialing into yourself and actually valuing what is in there even if it seems messy or hard to decode or feels awkward to pull out, like loving yourself enough to do that work anyway makes the way that you live your life completely different every day.
0: Com- I mean, it's completely different. And what you said is so, so powerful. And this, this connection, this search for more meaning, this knowing that, you have the power over your thoughts, your emotions, the life that you're living is is just incredibly powerful. And that transformation that you're talking about is available to everybody. It's It's not some elitist, some unattainable, sit on the mountaintop sort of Buddha. <laughs> you know, yes, if you can get to Bali and spend a month, good for you, that's fantastic. But some of us are sitting day by day with kids and spouses and and friends and family and still cultivating it. And I firmly believe that it's something that can be done, certainly to start out with in five, 10 minute increments when you can day by day. And that feeling that you get, it's so rewarding. We're such an instant gratification society that I promise, and you probably can agree to this, that within a few days of doing it and being aware of it, like you feel differently.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. You feel differently. And it might freak you out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, who am I? Where am I
0: today? <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, I always talk about when I started really, truly practicing mindfulness about 10 or 12 years ago, I would say knowing what it was doing it on purpose and I had this really difficult work colleague at the time who made me crazy day in and day out. She was full of rage and dissatisfaction with the world and all kinds of stuff. And one day she came to my office door and just like did what she did. Like she was just like, and I was just looking at her listening as I did often at the time. And this thought arose in me that was, wow, that's a lot of pain. And I was like, what? Who said that? What just happened? Right. (laughs) You know, I just saw it. I just saw it. Um, it caught me off guard. It freaked me out. I had been just trying to meditate, do my best, get my practice in, you know, on a regular basis. And again, almost like we were saying with the, the creating earlier, like you give it just the tiniest sliver of space and it starts to work on you, even if you don't think that it is. And it had just transformed me. I had done enough of it, I guess, to, to sit with my own pain enough that I was able to recognize the pain that someone else was experiencing, even though it was masked, as whoever she was angry at, whatever she was venting about—I don't even remember, you know. But I was like, "Who said that? What just happened?"
0: <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> well, and not it's fun. so beautiful, and that's the whole purpose for so many of us is to first feel compassion to ourselves, to first have that benefit of emotional awareness and mindfulness, and and then be able to extend it to others, so that you're not living a life sitting in in judgment and you know having all of these feelings about what other people are doing other than just feeling empathy for them not overload of empathy not taking on their feelings all my empathic friends but you know just feeling compassion for them seeing it clearly knowing that 99% of the time it has nothing to do with you it has everything to do with their experience what's led them to that moment of time and you really are able to approach relationships in a whole different
1: way. Yep. Exactly including your relationship with yourself which is right. the beginning of all of your other relationships.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So tell me all the different ways that people can get a hold of you. Let's save some time for all the different handles. And um, this has been so incredibly expansive. You have just such a phenomenal way. First of all, you're brilliant. And all the things that you've learned that you've retained them is number one, just so impressive to me. But the way that you articulate them and are able to really just break it down in a very tangible, accessible way, I think is one of the many reasons why we have been able to connect so well.
1: Likewise, I love our conversations. I could just go for hours because I have so much to learn from you and just new ways to think about some of these things that are always kind of rolling around in my head. You're right. I do have so many handles, Lauren, Um, but I think the the (laughs) one one here the most are Mindful MBA and Tashi Collective so online mostly on Instagram at the mindful mba like the business degree and at Tashi Collective T A S H I Collective Those are the two main ones. Tashi Collective is where you can take yoga and meditation classes with me through Zoom. Mindful MBA is where you can reach out to me if you want to bring mindfulness coaching into your own life or into your company or your school or something like that. I'm behind both of them. So if you forget the difference, just find me and I'm (laughs) happy to chat with you email would be Shannon at TashiCollective.com.
0: Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will tag all of those when I figure out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> everyone always says "Oh, I'll link those no- in the show notes below. I'm like, I haven't gotten to the show notes part yet, but I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. And I'm super excited for everyone to hear this.
1: Likewise, Lauren, this was a blast. Let's do it again. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse at open.to.alchemy, that's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.